0: showed 19 new cases in Carmarthenshire, 5 in Pembrokeshire and 1 in Ceredigion. In Wales, 461 new cases have been confirmed and 45 new suspected COVID-19 deaths have also been reported by Public Health Wales. The total number of cases in Wales is now 196,060 with 4,989 deaths. The total number of cases across the three counties is now 10,046 in Carmarthenshire, 3,000 1,129 in Pembrokeshire and 1,662 in Ceredigion. Across Wales, 589,622 people have received a first dose of COVID-19 vaccine and 2,606 with the second dose. Dr Ellery Davies, Incident Director for the COVID-19 outbreak response, said, although the data currently shows that on an all-Wales level, the numbers of cases are reducing and that the incidence is now below 130 cases, Cases per 100,000 of the population. The rates in some areas, particularly in North Wales, are still at more than double that. The pressure on our hospitals is still severe, so it is extremely important that everyone sticks to the rules and stays at home as much as possible. We continue to work to identify and investigate cases of variant coronavirus in Wales. To date, 13 cases of the South African variant have been identified in Wales. Multi-agency investigations continue into Separate cases that do not have clear links to international travel. There are no cases of the variants associated with Brazil. The Dar Apprenticeship Academy is again opening its doors to anyone looking to join the NHS. The academy's new programme, which has just launched, is designed to provide opportunities for the local population in Herefordshire, Pembrokeshire, and Carmarthenshire to those who want to work in healthcare but may not have the appropriate qualifications or be in a position to gain qualifications. Lisa Gosling, the Director of Workforce and Organisational Development at Dar said, we're very excited to announce that our apprentice programme has returned. It's an amazing opportunity for people wanting to work in the NHS and to develop their career. Following the success of our 2019 programme, we have expanded it this year to include non-clinical roles such as patient experience, digital services, corporate governance, with several more being developed. As a health board apprentice, you will receive structured work-based learning, enabling you to learn while you earn and gain nationally recognised qualifications. Apprenticeships can take between one and four years to complete and are available to anyone from the age of 16. As well as being in the workplace, you will attend a college or a training centre to work on your qualifications. If you think this opportunity is for you, you can go online to hduhb.nhs.wales for more information. I'm Charlie James and you're up to date on Pure West Radio. PWR yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Well, a very good evening. It's Monday night and it's Pure West Sports with G&G Builders. We are live right now on the Pure West Radio Facebook page and you are very welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. If you are just with us this chilly Monday evening, as always, ready to talk sport between now and nine o'clock. I'm Ben Stone. Bill Kahn, evening to you. How are you? Good evening, sir. Good evening to you gentlemen as well. It's lovely to be back. with the week go? I know. Flown by Gordon Thomas. It's a chilly Monday night. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I've had a good weekend. I enjoyed Wales
2: winning yesterday and Manchester United drew 3-3 and Man City beat Liverpool
1: 4-1. Great weekend. I know. Manchester City will be at the Liberty Stadium on Wednesday night. Fraser Watson. That's right, Ben. I've got a bit of sleep to catch up for before then. I
3: think I've been awake since about 4am Friday. There's a lot of sport on this weekend, so tough life watching
1: it all, but yeah, Yeah. look forward to Wednesday. Fraser slept for about three hours across the weekend, I think, between all the sport that's been going on and the early starts in India, uh, which we will come to before nine o'clock this evening. We're going to be joined by our guest this week, who is the most successful football manager in Pembrokeshire football history. That's Chris Tanzi. Brilliant news for the future of Haken United Football Club. Uh, We'll talk to Chris about that and also have a look back on his time as a manager. But we have to kick off with the Six Nations and it was an exciting first weekend of the tournament. So what did we make of that Wales win over Ireland? It was helped by Ireland obviously having that sending off after just 14 minutes. But Gordon Thomas, a win's a win, isn't it? A W is a W, Ben, and Wales will be
2: happy that they did that. They did it the hard way. Uh, Omani being the first Irish player to be sent off in the Six Nations uh, made it difficult for Ireland, although they did play very well in the first half and led, led 13-6. Second half, Wales did raise it a little bit. It wasn't brilliant. It was great to see George North go over the, the whitewash and young Zamet Rees in the, in the corner. Great try. Uh, Rees Samit, I should say. No, I always say it the wrong way around, but he <laughs> took his try really well. We need um, him. We need uh, a big uh, a big game against Scotland this weekend at Murrayfield, but um, happy with the W.
1: We'll get Fraser's thoughts in just a sec on that early red card. Bill, it was a win, but I don't think you felt you were entertained by Wales no, yesterday. I
4: think, no, I just think, you know, we are very static as a team. We really like. I mean, Gareth Davis kickbox kicking we, we've become a country that relies on trying to gain territory by box kicking and the thing that he did in the last 15 seconds my god, how can someone play like that for their country? Pathetic Wales were okay, lucky to get a win I thought against 14 men
1: and after the Autumn Internationals, though, it, it was vital, I think, for Wales yeah. to, like, to win this game. So I think you'll take that and move on. But Fraser, how, how much did that sending off change the game? Was it the right decision? And really, w- would Wales have expected to have won by more, given the fact they were playing against 14 men for so long?
3: It can be difficult to play against 14 men when they know what they're doing sometimes, Ben. And Ireland did respond very well to that. They tightened things up, they spoiled Welsh ball. In the end, I think the numbers game did prove... Decisive. You saw that George North try. You spotted a forward out in the back line, exploited it, Ireland simply ran out of numbers, and then great finish. But yeah. the O'Mahony domani decision, yes, it was. It was right. Look, we've debated for a long time now is the game going soft, should this be this, should this be that, it's irrelevant, the players know the rules now, they've been in place for four or five years, you know, we're not talking some kind of new phenomenon, we're not talking some kind of VAR debate here, we're talking rules that have been drummed into international players for season after season, we saw it in the last World Cup and we're still seeing it now, it's just mindless, just don't do it, you know, Mm. regardless of whether the players agree with it, you know, you, you can't go in with contact to the face like that and that recklessly as well. There's cameras on you. If the referee doesn't pick it up, the TMO will. So and it should be remembered as well, Peter Mahani, oh man he's a former Lions captain, a very experienced player. He's got previous in this, you know, he's had a straight yeah. red card for this mm-hmm. exact thing before.
1: I thought it was ter- tremendously irresponsible for a player of his experience. So after that red then, um, Bill, what well, first of all, what did you make of it? Did you think that was the right decision? Well,
4: yeah, they, as Fraser says, they're mindless. A friend of mine who works at BBC told me they have 28 cameras in the internationals. So they can't get away uh, with anything. Right? Now, to do that, the aim is to injure someone doing that. You stick your shoulder into a guy who's lying in a ruck, can't, can't move from it, with your shoulder in there, you could give him a very serious injury. I mean, I heard Johnny Sexton saying, well, it was a high tackle, but Wales tackled high. If someone runs past you, Gordon would have done it. You run past someone, you sidestep, you stick your arm out and you catch them on the neck. That's bad enough, but that's instinctive. That guy deliberately tried to injure another player. Get him out of it.
1: Yeah, so Get it, him out it. it, it- it was the right decision then. They oh, were agreed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get let's get a grade then from from all of you. In fact, let's have a mark out of ten, and we'll get people to leave theirs on on the Facebook page as well. Uh, Gordon, out, out of ten, how how are you marking Wales for their opening Six Nations weekend? Uh, I'll
2: give them a six. That's fine. It's a win. Bill, yeah, I'd go with a six. Yeah, generous from Bill. I thought. Phrase no, no,
4: it. it's not. It's not generous. No. I see the good points that they play, but the line-out was shoddy. You know, it really was weak. And we still haven't got a little bit of flair that we need. I, I got a lot of respect for Dan Bigger. I kick the outside out uh, a scrum up, out the re- replacement. He's box kicking. Rugby ain't about box kicking, it's about handling a ball in the main. So I, I give him six. I could see some pluses. The boy, as Gordon said on the wing, the young fella, whether he's resammit Samit or Samit he is a finisher, Gordon. <laughs> I mean that was that was that Gordon was, will get I mean, it the right way round
1: by the end of the tournament, yeah, I think. Yeah. No, but yeah.
4: that's Gordon's right. But that's right. Would reminiscent for me of some of the great New Zealand wingers. Right? Like, yeah. literally, he's got real potential, and he scored. Yeah. That was lovely Fraser, out of ten. I was going to say six but that would be a bit boring
3: and I'll, go on the same DC. I'll say 5.5 but you know, on, on, a, on a serious point I think it, it'll be next week now which can really define Wales's championship to so Wales yeah. can go to Scotland and win that will be easy we saw that happen there on the weekend then they go at home against an England side who look undercooked, Cook's Saracens contingent that have played so little rugby that maybe showed on Saturday and you're talking potentially a very good championship lose in Scotland and suddenly that England game looks a lot harder bear in mind they got to go to France as well so I think a real test will come next Saturday now and it's one that will really shape the championship for Wales
1: yeah, absolutely. So wins for France, uh, for Wales, France and Scotland. And we, and we should say about that, it's a tough game coming up for Wales. They're going to be playing against a really good Scotland side uh, who, who really impressed beating England at Twicken. And we, we all said Scotland were going to be a good team. I'm trying to dig myself out of it. I didn't see that coming at all. I tipped well, England to win it. So did Bill. What yeah, happened?
4: We dug it, we gave them, we've ruined
1: England's chances already, us tipping them. Yeah,
2: England England can still win the championship
3: yeah, but seriously beat France. they still they'd can it's, actually a, it's, a, it's a a actually a landmark lift. win it's actually a landmark yeah. win to Scotland because for mm. so long we've in talked the about they've made steady progress under Gregor Townsend but they've never really got over the line in one of those big games they've won games at Murrayfield they always will when they have the odd result at Murrayfield but to go and win it in Twickenham I think is finally a real statement and finally... sign that they can close out games you know if anything they should have won by more on saturday you kept definitely positions they wasted to come back and bite them Yeah. but the fact that they were managed to get over the line and did hang on psychologically is big the scottish rugby i think
1: Uh, we should give a mention to uh, the one pembrokeshire representative in in this weekend's six nations which was stephen varney playing for italy against france who i think will do the grand slam um after that first weekend No distractions for um,
3: Ian Varney against the best Grimaf in the world and one brilliant double, du- double dummy. We thought set up a try. It was a forward pass. It was a shame. But, yeah, no, he did well in what was a beaten side, really. Big,
1: big mention for Varney. But I'd like to get some views um, from, from the three of you. Sam Warburton, uh, once again, raising the, the discussion about relegation from, from the Six Nations. Italy don't seem to be moving forward. In fact, you, you could say they're going the other way, albeit with a, a young side. Is it time to, to introduce a, a promotion and relegation? What do we think?
2: Well, they're talking about Georgia coming in, aren't they? Because they're the informed side in Europe. So perhaps Georgia should play Italy in a playoff sort of thing to see uh, Mm -hmm. if they stay in the Six Nations or not. There's not a lot of less, you know, a lot of competition in Europe besides the home nations and France. Uh, You can go to Romania, Spain, Portugal. All those sides are no better than Italy. So um, if they want to uh, give sides a chance to get in, as I say, whoever finishes bottom of the Six Nations should play a playoff against the top European side. Why not? That's the only way that
1: you can, um, you know, be fair. Would it mix it up a bit, Bill, do you think, to introduce promotion and relegation?
4: Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, people in our home countries, the old ones, would be a bit afraid in case they have a bad spell. But if you said the, the team that comes bottom plays... The Top three in it in the like Spain are not a bad side with sevens, they develop, Romania are not a bad side. So, say you know, there's a playoff four matches at the end of the season between the four sides. And on the subject, Fraser's mentioned, uh, young Mr. Varney. What a pity he's not a blinking Welshman. No, he's still a Welshman, I'm joking, yeah. but he's playing for wouldn't it be lovely to have him a, a scrum half who actually wants to
2: pass and run with the ball a scrum half Bill, Bill you, you have to understand that is tactical from Wales it's not <laughs> from <laughs> our songs you have to understand no, that but God someone
4: needs to get rid of Pee then because <laughs> eight times Gavin, ten, they did they do it say lose as well. ground right Listen. Ten, lose ground
1: you think Bill's fired up over that you wait till we get to the final yeah. bit and he talks about England's batting this morning Uh that's still to come we're going to take a moment and then we're going to talk to uh, Chris Tansy hey can you United most successful manager in the Pembrokeshire Football League he is with us to do some reminiscing but also to tell us why the future is looking really good for Haken United he'll be with us next on Pure West Sport.
5: the Valero community update on Pure West Radio keeps you updated with the various projects Valero are supporting in Pembrokeshire from sports clubs schools charities and musicians to members of staff from Valero who volunteer their time We hear about the latest community projects Valero do to support our community on the last Wednesday of every month at 9.30am and 5.30pm, only on Pure West Radio. If you miss it, catch up on the podcast at purewestradio.com. The Valero Community Update. Do you
6: need a cash loan? Loans at Home could help. We offer loans of between £100 and £600 and have over 60 years of experience of helping people in the Pembrokeshire area and beyond. Go online at loansathome.co.uk to get a decision in principle now. Compare the price of home collected and other cash loans available in your area at www.lenderscompare.org.uk. Representative 466.4% APR Loan subject to affordability
3: Ah, enemy ahead, fire! Oh, where? I can't see them! Right there, fire! Oh man, you missed again. You need to get your
1: eyes tested. Nah no, mate, I ain't got the cash for that. You're in college, you can get an eye test for free. Really? From where? I'm with Mags Optics, they're in the Riverside Arcade in Halford West. Sick, I'll check it
0: out
8: listen to Pure West Radio anywhere, in the kitchen, in the bar, in the garden, on the sofa, even in space. I like it, I like it, I like the way you run, your fingers through my head. And I like the way you tittle my chin, and I like the way you let me come in, when you mama ain't there. By the way, you straighten my tie.
1: Pacemakers on Pure West Radio. We are off and running for Monday evening. Great to talk rugby in the first part of the show uh, as the Six Nations continues, of course, next weekend. We'll touch on that again before nine and we'll have a chat about England's batting uh, in Chennai earlier on today and golf still to come as well before nine o'clock. But let's talk Pembrokeshire football, shall we, Bill? Who's joining us right now? Yeah, we've got a special guest tonight. He's got a huge smile
4: and quite rightly because of good news from the OBS. I shuddered a little when you described him at the start as Pemrish's best ever manager.
1: I mean, there can, can I just do need... I did ask before I said that, and, and that was that was what you told me to say, Bill. No, we, said we sorry to, to do that, that on yeah. air, but...
4: But when I interviewed him once for our radio show, Ben, I did say arguably the best, and he said, no, definitely the best. You and you argue. couldn't argue with me, that's his Chris Tanzi, ex-manager, great supporter and negotiator at the moment with 18 United, and a general good guy. Manderwood sponsor the Premier League. You know that Chris is the big cheese there. Chris, it's lovely to have you on. Can I ask you, have you come on sort of a little nervous because you know you've got inquisitors here who are looking to take the mick out of perhaps Hatington United? I don't know. Are you Are you happy to be on? Well yeah very very happy Bill
7: and uh, it's nice to be with an award winning journalist and Gordon uh, Fraser Thank you. And Fraser. <laughs> yeah, thank you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like your style.
1: <laughs> he, he only wins awards when, when he's well supported Chris yeah, let me tell you. Award, yes. 2 uh,
4: award
1: winning. <laughs> We we should talk, though, first of all, and we will do some reminiscing. And I know Gordon Fraser, but I've got plenty to ask you, Chris. But um, the the main reason we wanted to get you on to start with this week was the news that Haken United had had bought the observatory ground, or the OBS, as Bill Bill calls it, uh, purchased it from Pembrokeshire County Council. This is a big moment for the club. Um, I know you you were involved with it as well. How's it come about and how important is this?
7: Well, it's vitally important, Ben, because it it secures uh, the future of, uh, of Haken Football Club. Um, two years ago, we were having to uh, renew our lease with the council. Um, and just prior to that, they built the new school on, on the observatory field, fenced off the new school, fenced off the rugby field, and it left us feeling vulnerable in Haken as being the only green area uh, that people could, could recreate on, basically. Um, so we had to safeguard that for ourselves. It cost us an awful lot of money to get, the, the, get it fenced off. So when we finalised the negotiations with the Hampshire Council for the lease, they brought it up to us that would we consider buying the field? Well, it was a no-brainer, really, because we felt insecure knowing the school was there. The school would outgrow in numbers, and the only place they could go for a recreation area is the OBS. and all we had um, was a lease, which was pretty pretty flimsy, really. We we had no... uh, The council didn't have to... Um, psyched us anywhere else so and I don't say they would have done it um easily but they could have removed us from the OBS and we would have had nowhere to go
1: so, so the future uh, it, is in, you've secured the future really of football mm. on the on the OBS in Haken for, on for the many OBS years in Haken, to
7: come yeah for for our community yeah for the Haken and Abston community yeah
3: Fraser Chris, you we talk about the opposite? And obviously a lot of history on it and almost yourself. I want to talk a bit now, going back to the, the team you had with the seven titles um, in a row, played against that side, formidable team, the likes of Jonas, Steve Mathias, Gary Dawes. You're just saying their names now and you're pioneers really in temperature football. But I want to know you, you had an immensely talented group of players there, but you had some, you had some personalities in there as well. Didn't you Chris?
7: <laughs> oh yeah,
3: definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And I, I've worded that yeah. very kindly. Um yeah. In, in terms of, obviously, you had to manage a side and set up a side. and You had to do that. You couldn't go on and win West Wales Cups or whatever without having plans and tactics. But how much also did you have to manage the group as a group of players as well as managing a team, if that makes sense?
7: Well, in all honesty, Fraser, um, the first thing we had to do was just to give it the discipline of, of yeah. a team. That they, they had to train, they had to turn up on time, they had to have clean boots, and they had, they had to be ready to play. Um, we would meet at one o'clock for for a two thirty kickoff. Sometimes earlier if we had to go perhaps to Goodick or, or, or further afield. Um, but they all they all had to present themselves ready to play. If they didn't, they were left on the bench or they weren't selected or they were sent to the second team. So it became self driving. Nobody wanted yeah. to get left out. Um, this Friday night thing was a myth, really. That. Um, it it was bandied about that I said that nobody was allowed out on a Friday night. Well, as we know, we've all had some good nights on a Friday night with our partners or our friends and woke up the next morning and you can't wait for that game. But we've also had some bad Friday nights where we perhaps had one (laughs) too many and when you wake up (laughs) on the Saturday morning, you don't want that game to come. So, and the players would not drop each other in it, but they... They pulled themselves up you know the captain whether it be gary or carl reed or, or jonah they'd have a go at the player that perhaps had let, let themselves down so uh, it just became um it just evolved in, into this juggernaut basically So
3: almost the levels of success you were having meant the players would would be sensible anyway because they didn't want to miss out on, on the journey no. you were going on essentially
7: okay yeah that, that that was it so when you got him into the changing rooms And my my great sidekick, Daisy, would have everything prepared, all the kit prepared, all the balls prepared, all the first aid prepared, everything was prepared for them just to go into that changing rooms, we'd have a team talk and then leave it to them. And they'd have to come out 15 minutes before kickoff, go through a simple warm-up process, nothing too strenuous, simple warm-up process so that they were ready to kick-off at 2.30. And it, it... Become, uh, it just evolved from there.
1: And your Snowboard methods would very well, Chris, judging by the number of titles you won with taking Se- Seven league titles. I'm going to let Gordon come in because we couldn't shut him up before we started. So I know I know he's desperate <laughs> to come in. Gordon.
2: Chris, you and I go back to the start. Uh, I remember starting out as a journalist with Milford Mercury when um, Haken was just starting out that brilliant episode of winning seven league titles on the bounce. Was it four Senior Cups and other competitions that you did? So I thoroughly enjoyed my time watching Haken United during that period. You had such a talented group of players. But what I want to say to you is, Chris, I think you brought a lot of professional, what you just said, you brought a professional mm. attitude to a Pembrokeshire League side who were very talented and you harnessed it well. So you need to take a lot of the credit for what Haken United did did in that period definitely you were the number one manager I can't (laughs) praise you enough Chris because you are a very level-headed person as well and they needed that to bring them along and you did it brilliantly and Gary was the main man as captain You know, we all know what Gary was like, but he he was very passionate in playing football and getting things. People misunderstand that as well. But Gary was very passionate playing football and he always got the best out of his players as well, even when they weren't playing well. It was a brilliant period to watch and Mm -hmm. one that I won't see in my lifetime again, I don't think. And yeah. uh, I, I I thought it was fantastic. Some of the football that you played, I remember going to the Vetch with Bill to watch you play in one, one um, West Westways Cup that you narrowly lost. And then two years later, I think it was, Chris, you went back there yeah. and you won. Yeah. You know, it, it just showed the character of the side as well. Um, are there any sort of, it's, it's hard to pinpoint it because you had so many good individuals, but was there anybody in particular that, came to the fore as far as you were concerned, Chris, during that period. You talk about people like Carl Reid. Um, I used to like watching the boy Chapman play. I thought he was very talented. Jonah was a phenomenal scorer. But was there anybody that sort of stuck out for you, Unsung Hero?
7: Well, yeah, uh, Unsung Hero, when we first started, the likes of Ian Aldred and, and Patrick Wheeler and Simon Thomas was in goal. They they, yeah. they started the, the team off when, when we come second to the bridge, which... It could have shattered most teams, but yeah, I think that's what drove us on. Losing the title on the last game of the season on two occasions, we could have just thrown the towel in. Yeah, but it was that that put us, made us go on to win the seven titles. It, it was just desire and hunger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was an
2: incredible journey. Sorry, who's coming in to go on? Carry on. Yo. Yeah, Chris, I only just wanted to say,
4: you live in proof of the fact you don't have to be the best at something to be the best at something that's close to it. I mean, you always used to tell me about your own playing performances compared to your manager. Tell us a bit about your own playing days, because they weren't packed with glory, were they? (laughs) Well, uh, as a junior, (laughs) I I was just having a look at the handbook
7: before I come on, and I can remember Gordon playing in the Wilshire Cup final for Pembroke Borough. Well, the year before I didn't Gordon want you to that, mention that, Chris. In that one, I played in the Wiltshire Cup final for Haken, where we beat Saunders Foot. Um, and it was a fairly successful youth team that mm. Dai Griffiths was running at the time. Yeah. Um, with some really good players. But we went into senior football, we we split up, we all went out separate ways, and for the twenty odd years I played for Haken, we, we never won a thing not a thing we enjoyed every Saturday and couldn't wait for every Saturday to come but we were never in we were never in the frame to win anything but on any given Saturday we were convinced we were going to beat the team we were playing
4: and that's how enjoyable it was but I think you carried that on then because I also remember you saying to me your big weakness was you weren't as good a player as you thought you were and I, and
7: think, I, I thought, thought I should have been a
4: professional footballer. I
1: thought. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Nobody else thought the same. But uh, Fraser, but when,
3: you when can, come can come in, Fraser. Yeah, on a serious note, there because you mentioned the Wiltshire Cup. There is quite poignant, and I will just throw my name in the hat as the third Wiltshire Cup winner on this uh, panel at the moment. But um, <laughs> apart from that, it, it was such an integral competition back in the day, wasn't it, for, for yeah. junior football? And it's not there now. And junior football, we've had our concerns about it and a lot's been said about dropping numbers and how imperative it is that it keeps going. Now, you understand that more than anyone, don't you? Because a lot of the team you got on, you knew the great work that Joe Lennon and he's a guy who knew very well did at Haken, you know? And he really laid the foundations for guys that you then to take on the first team and, and get the success you did. Like, How much do you put your era down to what he did before?
7: Oh, it, 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 as you said, great it was the great Joe Lennon. He, he, the he great Joe fantastic. Lennon. He was a fantastic yeah. character. Um, he was like the Pied Piper of Hagen. He had them junior players in the bus. They'd get on the bus at 10 o'clock in the morning. They'd go and play a game and he would bring them to the nearest senior game then, whether it be the first or second team, to support them. And he'd have them home in the Ops car park by about five past five and uh, it was every side, and as I say, he was, he was a Pied Piper. But these players, the Sean Millses, the Paul Chapmans, um, Jonah, uh, Jason Morgan, they all come through this junior system and grew this love for Haken. And and that's what it was. It was a passion that they got into the first team as quickly as they could. And, and they were in the first team at 16 and 17 um, and didn't want to play anywhere else.
1: Yeah. Chris, it's great news that obviously that, that we started with that, that you've been able to, to purchase the ground as, as a club. Is, is there a bit of sadness and frustration around at the moment that obviously because of the ongoing Covid regulations we, we can't play any football. I, I bet everyone is itching to get back once it's safe.
7: Well, Scott Davis is the manager now. They did try, you know, after coming out of the first lockdown to try and do some training uh, and try and keep the the, the club together basically, but it, it just wasn't to be and uh, everyone's frustrated with it. We've all got our fears you know whether the, the even the pemp League will come back in the form that it was and whether junior football will come back in the form that it was because it, it was so well organized and so well running so many children playing football that uh, we've got our doubts whether that number will come back and
1: play. I think we've we've talked about this, haven't we? Bill Bill Gordon and Fraser on the show. Do you think that's a, is that a real concern, Chris, or do you think that obviously we've got these next few months to, to weather and, and just the fact that people will be desperate for a game, we'll, we'll bring them back. Do you think that the clubs will be able to hold together?
7: I, I think that the very young age groups, whether we're starting them at perhaps under six and under sevens, I, I think you're going to get uh, you're going to lose a few of them years. Because they don't get out and play with their pals till till they're about ten, eleven, and twelve. Till they're in the senior school. And once they're in the senior school, then yes, they want to play with their pals. But at six and seven and eight, mm. other than playing in the garden, they, they don't really play with their pals. Mm. So uh, I, I'm concerned about that age age group.
2: Are you really, Chris? Because six yeah. and seven is very young. Mm. You know, to start playing football. I mean, I probably didn't start competitive football till I was about ten or eleven. Mm. Do you feel sometimes the kids are playing too young?
7: Well, I, I, I agree with you. I think that the, a lot of the reason why the kids drop out f- from junior to senior football is they've had too much of it.
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. We
7: I, we couldn't wait like you. We couldn't play until we were eleven or twelve, and yeah. then you have to play basically two years up i think it was an under 12 under 14 under 16 yeah. so until you got to that last year you were
2: always playing up but you yeah. you you couldn't wait to play on a saturday and you couldn't wait to play senior football yeah. no i agree with that I, i'm just a little bit concerned about playing so young and we do lose a, a certain amount of players because of that they mm-hmm. you know probably get bored of the game but good talent will, will always come through no matter what age anyway chris i believe
7: Well, you've seen it now with Liam
2: Cullen, haven't
4: you? You know, he's a fantastic player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all I want to say to you, Chris, is you um, brought on a side, like you say, that played for each other. It's no coincidence that a lot of those worked for Manderwood as well, so they had a a sort of a joint effort with that. And I know it's hard for you to pick what I'm going to ask you next, but my memories, like Gordon said, that win at the... Um, the, the old field. Gordon and I were thrilled weren't we and a no, couple we of WR Ned in Cups when you proved yeah, yeah. you were the best yeah. you know when you beat the best of Nice and Swansea and things uh, have you got a highlight is there one that stands out for you in particular
7: I think it would be the Goodick game when when it was a winner take all game at the end of the season yeah Guttig yeah. had only lost one game all season and I think that was to Fishguard um and we'd only lost one game all season, which was to Goodwick at home. So basically, it was a winner take all on a, on a nice sunny Saturday afternoon down Goodwick. And uh, yeah. we managed to win the game. Mm. And uh, that, that was a real special moment, yeah.
2: I remember but, that because I had a certain lad on work experience delighted to cover that game, Riafal Samurai, who now writes for Daily Mail.
0: Yes. Covered that
2: I
1: remember
2: that one <laughs> well, Chris I remember that credit for that Gordon we yeah.
1: <laughs> Chris it's great to have you on the show this evening and it, it's yeah. really good news that we started with about, about the, the future of Haken uh, and being secured with the purchase of the ground you're welcome on the show to come and talk football yeah, anytime yeah. you want thank, thank you very you. much for your time and for being with us on Pure West Radio um, this evening it's a pleasure to talk to you yeah, uh, we cheers are Chris to- well done. excellent cool. stuff yeah, uh, we're going to go golfing we're going to do some cricket and a bit more football to come still before 9 o'clock you can get involved as well leave us a message on the pure west radio facebook page just gone 25 to 9 it's pure west sports
5: hi tony how's things at the johnson garden center ah morning matt we're fairly busy Central shop sales of coal flow gas logs and hardware how about all your garden products and crafts many customers check out our facebook page and arrange safe delivery when is johnson garden center open now
0: Over five million homes are at risk of flooding, yet many people don't realise they're in danger. Even if you've never been flooded before, it can happen to you. Protect your family and home. Prepare, act, survive. Prepare a bag including medicines and insurance documents. Act by moving important items upstairs or as high as possible. Survive by listening to emergency services. Search what to do in a flood and sign up to flood warnings on gov.uk.
5: Oi, Bob. Have you heard the news? Good, thanks, Chris. What's that? We're one of the finalists for Butcher Shop of the Year. Oh, congratulations to you and the team, Chris. Wow, what's that smell? That's our homemade freshly cooked pies and pasties that we now serve daily in the shop. Looks and smells great.
2: They offer a range of sizes from small tubs and cones to eat on the go or insulated takeaway tubs for you
5: to enjoy at your own pleasure. Loch Farm Ice Cream At KO Carpets, you know quality is assured. We've been your local family-run business for over 40 years. We're widely recognised as Pembrokes' leading supplier of domestic and contract flooring. We provide full end-to-end service, free measures and estimates, free delivery and free fitting by our professional team of highly skilled fitters. Come and see us at Vine Road, Johnston, or drop us an email, sales at kocarpets.com. We're a knockout at flooring.
6: West is best on Pure West Radio.
1: Well, it's Pure West Radio for a Monday evening, fast approaching 20 to 9. Excellent to talk football uh, with Chris Tansey, uh, yes. Bill Gordon and Fraser. It, it, really good, passionate about what he does at Haken, securing the future of the club. That video will stay on the Facebook page. And I think he's a, he's a welcome guest because we didn't even mention, Fraser, that he's probably a, a rare commodity in Pembroke. He's a Sunderland fan. Yes, yeah. Came back to
3: draw 2 all with the MK Dons on the weekend, dude. Take some take to mid-table in League One, but um, we shouldn't we shouldn't gloat at him, should we? He's he's been long-suffering, to be fair. And we (laughs) we also we all we know what he is. But
4: at one time he was a season ticket holder there. He was brought up in uh, Sunderland. Yeah, no, yeah, he excellent. Born, yeah, he, born, yeah. Yeah. he also went to Euro
3: 2016 for tickets for a Wales match and never went in the ground, but that's another story for all yeah.
4: It's <laughs> another
1: show by the sound of it. Yes. Uh, we are going to talk golf right now, though, with Pure West Radio's resident golf expert, Kim Thomas, who joins us right now. How are you, Kim? Very good, thanks, Ben. Very good indeed. Nice to see you, chaps. Excellent. And Thank we'll you, Kim. start actually before we get to our golfing tip uh Fraser we're going to talk Rory McIlroy first you want to talk to Kim about that don't you? Well yeah I actually touched on this
3: with Kim when he, when he first came on the show about Bryson DeChambeau and, and the hitting lens and it's been the news this week because we it's emerged about this almost multi-million dollar investigation the authorities are putting in looking into curtailing distances in golf now Rory McIlroy has come out and he's rubbished it hasn't he He really said that it's just a, a self-serving notion it the money could have been so better spent elsewhere, going into local golf clubs, going to grassroots and he thinks the whole thing, the load of nonsense. What's your take on this Kim? Is this something that is necessary in, in, to ensure a competitive future of golf? Or is, as Rory Mapproy says, it just a complete waste of time? Well,
6: first of all, Fraser, there will always be longer hitters than others. That's just a fact of life. Whether it's for Shambo, in my day, people like Dave Thomas in Wales and people like that, that will always be the case. So there will always be differences between lengths of hitting between players. The thing is, every player now is hitting it much longer than they used to because of technology, and they are basically fitter. I'm in the ball as far now at about 260 with a driver as I was when I was 25 years of age which let me tell you is a long time ago Um, but of course the the people these days are hitting it a football pitch longer than that aren't they 350 yards my take on it is this I think Jack Nicklaus was right many years ago I'll tell you why in a second the average amateur cannot relate anymore to these top pros apart from saying wow whenever they see them the difference is just unbelievable now they're 150 yards behind and they're not going to get any closer uh, or marginally closer. So I think there's a need for the amateurs to relate more to the pros and play the same sort of golf course that the pros play. Otherwise, you know, where, where's the adulation? What's the, where's the comparison? So I think the secret is, what Jack Nicklaus said years ago, the ball. You would have a pro ball uh, for elite tournaments and then you have the other balls, which will not hurt the manufacturer's interests at all. In fact, it'll, it'll increase it because there'll be competition to produce the best pro ball, if you, if you like. Yeah. A ball that cannot go as far. So reduce the distance by, I don't know, 20% or something. Then that will even the playing field a little bit anyway between the pros. Because the distance gap will be different between DeChambeau and Schofield or whatever. Uh, so I think the answer is the ball limit the distance by the ball
3: can't hurt anyone that's a that's a good point
1: happy with that Fraser yeah
3: yeah that's yeah. interesting interesting it's it was an interesting McElroy's comments I thought were quite intriguing actually um because you know you do penalize these manufacturers these companies who, who are there to produce the equipment you know and are doing a great job is this sort of thing Bill said it off air that we touched on with Formula One isn't it you know or, or do you try and reduce it for, for a level playing field yeah. but then you know you have got someone like Deshambo. We talked about before. It, it, it's not by accident this has come about. He, he's worked at it. He's worked at his bulk. He's done it within the rules, and yeah. that. You know? And you can't have a problem
1: with that, really. No,
6: no, no uh, but many no, golf no. courses, many, many golf courses will be almost redundant because the way mm. they were designed to trap golfers, uh, don't come into play anymore unless you make the, the fairways ten yards wide and mm. add fifty mm. more bunkers. But many golf courses don't have the space to take the tees back. You mm. couldn't do it. You couldn't do mm. it, for example, at Royal Call. It, it would become mm-hmm. redundant as a championship course because you can't mm-hmm. you can't get the tees back. It would cross over, cross over
1: other holes. You know, mm, there's going to be some have to be some evolution. You're right. I think that's a that's a fair point. And um, right, let's get to our tip, Kim. Um, okay. And just to, to just talk us through what what you got us doing last time. Well, actually, what you got Fraser doing last time, um, because it was a tough one. I've had quite a few people message me to say that was a tricky one.
6: What well, the the grip uh, climb? Yeah. yeah. Well, as I said at the time, it was Gary Player that told me this, and he had one of the fiercest, strong forearms of anyone. Paul Casey's another, Tom Watson with another. It's the part of the arm that's the most important part uh, for, for strength and uh, using your hands in, 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 the, in the through swing as well. So it's all about really making sure that when you hold that club vertically, you are literally climbing down the club and moving the club up in your hands. It's not about sort of angling it or chucking it up. And, and you should start and try and continue to the very end because it's a test of determination as much <laughs> as it is of strength
1: and skill. Yeah, you know? and, and Fraser, the video of you trying to do it is on the Facebook page, so I think Bill very much enjoyed <laughs> it as well. But i still, uh, got, a, I still got cold sweats about <laughs> <sweats>. it. <laughs> we all enjoyed that. Um, what have you got for us tonight, Kim?
6: Um, I'm going to talk about a thing which I call aversion attraction. I'll post some things to you, first of all. Have you ever gone down the motorway where you're travelling at, say, 65, 70 miles an hour, middle lane, somebody comes alongside you and they're just about going past you at the similar speed and you look at the car. And the more you look at the car, you find yourself going towards the car, like some sort of magnet. Do you ever feel that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you don't want to hit the other car, but you're drawn to it. The very thing you don't want to hit, you're drawn to. Right? Yeah. Next point. Going down the dual carriageway, it has cat's eyes. Have you ever tried crossing lanes without hitting the cat's eyes? No. Okay. You try it sometime. It's not easy. You might think, what the hell is he talking about here? Well, i tell you. I have golfers who say to me, you know, when I play golf on that 14th hole, that lake on the right-hand side, it's like a blinking magnet to me. You know, every time I slice into that leg, every time I play it. Now, you can relate to that, right, guys? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, The very thing, the very thing, the very thing that you don't want to do, you end up doing. Yeah. Right? Okay. Can you imagine a drill sergeant on the parade ground with his troops, with his first instruction being, not right, not left, not right, not left? Now, the point I'm coming to is this. The brain cannot assimilate and obey a negative instruction. We've all got in our own way in in sports, haven't we? we put ourselves off by believing something negative. For example, the golfer who hits it in the lake. Instead of looking at the lake and thinking about the lake, pick something on the other side of the fairway, ridiculously left away from the lake, look at that point, a shed, a tree, whatever, make it up if you want, and say to yourself, I'm going to hit my ball at that object right there. Okay? He's now trying to do something as opposed to trying not to do something. Okay? Mm. So that's... It's, important... it's a good
3: point because I don't know if you ever played St. David's on the fifth hole. And uh, <laughs> here we <you> go. <laughs> it, it's, it's a lynx It's a legs course. It's basically a cliff, beach, and gorse to the right. And I and I've lived in it since I was a youngster. And, and it's it's always in my mind. Don't you know, don't go right. Don't go right. It never yeah. works. Always go right. But
6: yeah, you you cannot. You think about it. You cannot. Uh, you cannot obey a negative command. You know when you were a kid and you did a cycling test around the cones. Yeah. What did you do? To try and miss the cone, you looked at the cone and try and missed it, didn't you? hundred yeah, percent. What are you doing? Yeah. Look at yeah. the gap. Yeah. And I, when you can... change when you change lanes on that on that dual carriageway and you try to miss the cat size, don't look at the cat
1: size. Look do, at this massive gap. Do, do you think is, are these these mental things? the top players obviously make it look easy, but do, do top golfers get? sort of drawn into those things as well kim because it must be an amazingly mental pressure on golfers when they're when they're playing tee shots and and all sorts do they have to do a lot of work on that mental side
6: yeah when you first start playing golf it's more about the physical than the mental you're trying to trying to control the physical actions at the very top end of the game they don't think about how they're going to hit the ball all they're thinking about is where the ball is going to go when they hit it they're envisaging the shot before they play it they Mm. see the shot they, they, they actually, if this is what's going to happen, then it's fed back through their muscle memory for all the millions of shots they've hit. And they just do it without trying to think how to do it. But to get to your point, Ben, uh, the top players get in their own way mentally. And you often hear them say that. I got in my own way today. They We all have a bubble. And if you let something break through the bubble... Little Mr. One and Mr. Two in the, in the left and right side brains, you know, the left side saying go there. The other side saying, ah, oh, but be careful about the other side over there. If you let the be carefuls and don't do something impinge, you've got a crisis of uh, thoughts going on, even whilst you're swinging the golf club. As you take it away, mm. some thought comes into your head. You put yourself off. Because golf is only about you you can't blame a bad pass or somebody else's failure it's just you and that's what makes golf
1: makes golf so unique you can't blame anybody else it's 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 wonderful fraser next time you're on the course in St David's, you need to be trying this. I think I'm thinking back to when I, my I know Kim's got to go because he's on the air at nine, but I used to play a par three course with my granddad uh, when I was younger. And I'm just thinking back and I'm getting sweaty palms thinking about it. there was this one, there was this one hole. It was the seventh and you had to go over a massive lake and clear the lake and you were fine. But the amount of times I'd be playing perfectly until that seventh and I would just go in the water for absolutely no reason. And it's one of the big frustrations of golf as well, isn't it? Because you're you're playing so well, it's all going well until that moment.
6: Yeah. Your mind is being put off by yourself. Yeah. Self-doubt sometimes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Kim... Kim, thank you very much indeed. You are going to be here at yeah, nine o'clock you, for the Mood Train. We're looking forward to that. Thank you for being with us and we'll see you again in a few more weeks for some more golfing tips, which I think Fraser's massively benefiting from. Thank you for your time, Kim. <laughs> thank you, Kim. Cheers, Kim. Thank you. Very well, Bye. guys. See you next time. Excellent stuff. Bye. Uh, Kim is going to be here for the Mood Train at nine o'clock, but I have to say we, we could probably do, I think we could do a whole show on the mental side of, of sport because it is so interesting and I think at the very top level nowadays it's something that's taken... With, with so much more care and attention than probably it was years and years ago. That's
3: so, yeah, it. And I think there's psychologists involved in every sport now, isn't there? You know, and golf more so than any other the gentle strength you need to do that with all the frustrations and the ups and downs you go through with these 72-hole major championships. It doesn't bear thinking about does it? No, no. You know, we, we ought to throw our clubs over the hedge after one
1: bad shot. I know. And that is that is genuinely the frustration of golf. There's no doubt about it. Excellent stuff from Kim. Uh, we have got 10 minutes or so to go and a few bits to finish the show off on actually. And and I think we'll start with the cricket in Chennai because I was watching intently. I think Fraser's barely missed a ball over the weekend. Uh, Bill, you you're up at four thirty. I'm not sure. Were you, were you a four thirty alarm this morning, Gordon? Uh no, no. I don't get up
2: to. I, I like twenty twenty myself. Not this five day well, affair. Oh, but I, have, here I have,
8: we I
4: go watched,
2: again. Watched I I've got to enjoy that. Joe Root uh, hitting a double century. To be yeah. fair to him. Yeah, yeah I did the, enjoy that. Uh, and uh, you know, it's quite even Stevens
1: out there, isn't it, To be fair. Well, I think they did them pretty well, Bill. You weren't happy with the batting this morning, were you? No. no
4: well, I was happy with the chance to build a bigger score than you know bigger lead than they had but I thought they weren't as positive as they might be I know they lost uh Rory Burns first ball and they lost a couple of others Root showed them again at the moment he appears to be the only one who bats with confidence and I looked at some of those I, I could take it them losing I guess if they were going for runs that's fair enough but when I watched Bess and um Butler were clearly under orders to block to you know bat out time rather than score runs. And when I see Bess, you know, Butler scoring one run and then Bess padding away five balls because they pitched outside off stick, Root would have swept those balls. And in the end, they were just they're playing negatively because they're afraid of losing at the end. So I'm not with that. Why the heck didn't they try and score another forty runs quickly and get them in early? Easy. I mean Don Bess though with the bat, Bill, to be fair, isn't Joe Root, is he? No, he's not, but he's batting at seven or eight and he scored runs in the past. In the end, it. I don't blame him per se because he was obviously back into instructions. Before the, the second innings. they obviously decided this is how we're going to do it. Mm. We're going to bat until a certain time. And to me, that's negative. I don't think we're quite... I still think England are, are, are slight favours. I, I can't see um, India winning it, but I think they could well get well, a draw it- now. And if they do, it is England's own...
1: Oh, let's put it into context. India need four hundred and twenty to that would be a record breaking total mm. to chase that. I, I think um Fraser be interested, your your views as well on, on what Bill was saying there, because um I think the problem is that England have got two spinners who aren't that experienced in test cricket at the very top level. So they wanted as many runs as they possibly could. And we're away in India, which is one of the toughest places to go and win a, a test match. So oh, yeah. I, I don't know necessarily have a problem with them just taking as much time to, to put as many runs on the board as possible. Make sure they can't lose because we've got to cover the fact our two spinners aren't the very best at the moment. What did you make of the tactics, Fraser? I just wonder if there was something in the head
3: from the boy Rispar Pant lurking there in the background. I mean, anyone who watched those, those India tests in Australia saw the, the go of it from nowhere they made in, in Sydney mm. in the third test and then the tremendous run chase in Brisbane and, and Pant was at the heart of it. And Pant will only bat one way. You know, and he, he changed the mood of things in the first innings, the first India innings as well. You know, they were looking at a much lower total. He came out with his side under pressure, tremendous risk in what he was doing. You know, you could imagine the headlines that he, had he got out coming down the track within the 71 for four. But he's so accurate and powerful with it, you know, and he hit 91 and it was game changing. And I just worry, well, I just wonder if there was worry in Joe Root's mind from seeing what he did in Australia um i still think you know bill Bill is right i think they did bat on too long with the tail sending jimmy anderson out there to pot about for a few balls and not come back up to ashwin was pointless but the advantage they will have now is they haven't used up too much of the new ball so at least they can have a a a blast with the new ball tomorrow morning they need early wickets we know that we know how resilient india are we saw washington sundar and ashwin the two people who saved the game for them in sydney they held england up in the first innings of could well do the same again tomorrow. I think it'll be difficult. Um, I think it is just beyond India's reach unless Pant really does get going. But yeah. again, it's, it's another good thing for Test cricket because we're coming into a
1: fifth, the fifth day of a Test match, and there's still three outcomes. You know, that, that uh, well let's possible. let's predict it, Fraser. Let's just have a quick quick round the table. Uh, Gordon, who's going to win? What's the result going to be?
2: I believe it'll be a draw on the last day. To be honest, you, Bill. Bill?
4: Yeah, draw definitely and serves them right. I still can't understand how you guys say we are going to back out time. If they'd scored 40 runs quicker, we Fraser. Didn't say about, that Fraser <laughs> said about the new ball, we could have had the second new ball quicker in the in the second day and had a better chance. i go for a draw and serves them right.
2: Fraser, Fraser, you were looking for a headline. You were before looking for
3: a headline. The, it could, it could be pants, in- mate. Before what yes, before watching India in that Australia series, I would have said an England win tomorrow. I now think a draw, having seen how resilient that lineup is. But should say as well, we, we're talking about test cricket and how he's been, you know, revolutionarily interested at the moment. It's not even the story of the day. You know, the West Indies, the fifth day in Bangladesh, chasing down three hundred and ninety-five to win that. Kyle Mayers on debut with a double century. Double set. yeah, incredible. Isn't isn't it? What an incredible effort! So, test cricket is getting some fantastic publicity at the moment when other sports maybe necessarily aren't. Certainly, yeah, they are
4: level. only playing Bangladesh. Mind, this is a tiny bit different. <laughs> You've mentioned Rishabh Pant, phrase. I would say the big dangers there are people like uh, Pujara and Kohli and those boys in the sort of early middle order, and they're the ones. Tim, yeah, I'm quite happy for Pant to go and have a slog because he'd get him sometimes, he want other times. But he ain't going to help, he ain't going to get him to chase down 400 runs, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. He's not
1: that good. Okay, let's say as well. So, I'm going to say a draw as well. I don't want to be boring, but I I think it probably will be a draw tomorrow. And I actually think it's been a a decent test match for England. So, I I think a draw leaning towards an England win, but I'm not going to stick my my neck right right out, I don't think, at this point. Uh, I agree with that. We should say uh, good luck to Swansea on um, Wednesday yeah. evening. Small matter of Manchester City at the Liberty Stadium. And of yeah. course, we're, we're really sorry because Liam Cullen, who scored twice yeah. against Forrest in the previous round, he, he was on this show saying how excited he was about the prospect of playing yeah, City. Yeah. We've we got to again send best wishes to Liam. It's, it's yeah. a cruel twist that, isn't it?
3: And his last two involvements have been in FA Cup games. So you would have thought that he perhaps would have been on Wednesday, which would have been a great occasion to him. It would have been far and above any side he's faced yet mm. but Steve Cooper actually yeah. spoke about him today in his afternoon press conference, said he's doing well his yeah. morale's high so of course we wish best wishes and, and we hope for a miracle on Wednesday don't we? Is yeah.
1: anyone brave enough to predict a cup upset on Wednesday?
4: No but on on the, the <laughs> Liam Cullen uh, scene I spoke to his granddad today and he said Liam's in good oil so that's nice to <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is that's really good to hear, and, and let's just see what can happen. Gordon, thoughts thoughts on Man City? I'm sure you'd love to see City lose at the Swansea, um, wouldn't you? Man
2: City will obviously be too strong for the Swans. Uh, I think Swansea are more important to concentrate on their mm. push to get back in the Premiership. Yeah. If uh, if you're honest, I think that's what they they want to achieve this season. Man City without any crowds there. There's no sort of great shakes about that, is it? You know, it'll be a routine win for uh, Manchester City. Sorry, Fraser, but um I'm I'm quite happy oh. to see the Swans return to the Premiership. Uh getting automatic promotion would be fantastic. And Liam Cullen leading the line in the premiership. Wouldn't that be I, fantastic? I think-
3: I take that deal too, Gord. But I should say, me and Gord have actually seen a Swansea win over City at the Liberty. We but have, was, yeah. things, were, things were a bit different in those days, Gord. Yes. Maybe, maybe, some, maybe
1: some magic in the air at the Liberty Stadium on Wednesday night. Let's see. Who knows? It could be. Uh, listen, I really enjoyed your company again this evening, Fraser. You probably need to go to bed quite soon because you've got to be up again in about six hours. I have, yeah. ready, <laughs> ready, ready for yeah, the Yeah, me as well. I'd be. Oh, are you? Are you a, a four thirty in the morning bill tomorrow? No,
4: I, I have missed really. I probably today. I've probably watched more than Fraser because I've watched all. Really old- All the time in the
1: morning, yeah. Yeah, and we haven't had time to do it, but we will touch on the T10 from Dubai as well because that's quite addictive. I know Bill's been watching that too, and I just wonder whether this might be a, a way of potentially getting into the Olympics. That's what I think. But we'll come back to that in in an upcoming week. I shouldn't mention it right at the end of the show. Uh, We'll be back again next Monday between seven and nine. More Pure West Sport, of course, on Saturday as well. Saturday morning from eight, we'll be talking about the Six Nations. Can Wales make it two out of two? Can England recover from losing against Scotland? We'll find out in the days ahead. Gordon, Fraser and Bill, have a good week. We'll do it again next Monday. Thank you for your company. It's the Mood Train with Kim next.
8: Uh
6: Good evening and welcome to the Mood Train with me, KT, here on a very cold February
4: evening. This is Mood Train number 18. 18 months I've been doing this. I should have time off for good.